Welcome down to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, presented by SeedGolf.com. That's the premium golf balls at half the price. It's a no-brainer. So get on to SeedGolf.com and try them today. Also, the podcast is sponsored by DrewsGolf.com. Born in Ireland, now distributed from Scotland. We're all Celts anyway. But do, pick yourself up or a loved one, an ambassador pack. Premium, premium apparel. Again, a quality, quality price point this week's episode i can't believe that this gentleman came on the show to talk to little old me it's ryan curtis of the club if you don't follow the club what are you doing with your life but it gets stuck right in roll it there clet On this week's show, we have creative brains and face of the club on Twitter and, and almost every social media platform, Ryan Curtis. Welcome to the show, my friend. How's it going? Uh, sure. Lockdown 2.0. Well, by the time this comes out, we'll all be back on the golf course, actually. So it's going great. I'm uh, back in the fairway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where the ball is going, but yeah, I've got through lockdown grand. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, my kind of life hasn't I've, I've always worked from home so I, I, nothing's really changed my wife worked in a hospital so not much has changed for her so uh, apart from being able to play golf um which i must be honest when it comes to november i'm not playing every other day uh in, <laughs> golf in uh, the uk so I, i'm not playing much less than i would anyway but it's the thought of being able to get out and play golf i am i'm definitely missing that and hopefully when this goes out, uh, I'll have been able to get out and, you know, thin a seven iron and, and be in pain for eight <laughs> uh, But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. But I'm good. Oh, very good. Um, and I hope your wife's okay with all the, you know, being a frontline marker. I have no experience of that. Um, mm-hmm. None of my friends are. So I hope she stays healthy and, and, and all that. Um, before we get stuck in and learning about you and the club a little bit, Given that we both have like an absence of golf and absence makes the heart go fonder, when you over the last couple of weeks that you've been back to the golf course, but what did you miss most of not being able to play golf? For me, like, so I, I, could, I, I could give you a long answer, but I'll try and give a kind of short answer. For me, it's a hundred percent without even thinking about it. It's the social side of the game. I've always played sports growing up from being a kid and I've always played football uh, which is a big social thing and going out and seeing your friends I've got to an age now where I don't really fancy playing football so much anymore with my knees and chasing younger people around the pitch whereas golf I've always played golf but it's almost like the substitute for that social for that crack before the round during the round after the round having a couple of pints and that is the biggest thing I miss we just before lockdown or between the lockdowns uh, over here I, I, we had a couple of days where the eight of us went, we had a weekend away um, and it's that that I really miss. And yes, I love the playing golf myself, um, but I probably don't play enough to like really be confident of shoot, playing 
really well. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. But the social side is what's always there. So for me, that's kind of a big thing. And with lockdown and with pubs being shut and all things like that, it just makes me think about that even more. So it really is the social side, um, kind of with the lads and just the the banter on the golf course. That's what I kind of miss. Yeah, it was the same here. Um, for the most part, I, I would actually play a lot of golf my own in terms of practice. And mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm looking at really right beside a, um, a golf course here. So I'm literally, as we sit right now, I am 25 meters from the golf course, looking out on it every day on a perfectly manicured and prepared uh, piece of land that I can't even <laughs> can't even step on. So it's been a daily hardship. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Definitely that camaraderie is massively missed because when I do play with people, I, I try and find out as much as I can about them, being Irish, without them finding anything yeah. out about me. Um, but just meeting new people every day, trying to play with all of the members if I can, you know, and it's something I didn't do the last 15 years. I play with my own circle of friends, which is always great crack. But, you know, there's a big networking side of it and social side of it, and, you know, um, definitely a part that I, that I would have missed as well. Yeah, yeah, I th- certainly think. Um, I, I must admit, I mostly play with, uh, with a group of a circle of friends because I'm not. I've not been a member of a golf club for quite a while, and that is one thing I do miss is putting your name up on the up up on for a comp and just playing with new people. And you 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 can always relate to people whether they're you know eighteen or eighty because you play golf and you've got stuff you talk about and. And that's the magical thing about the game, I guess, is that people that you can do that and you have similar outlooks and you, you, you encounter similar things just through your round of golf. Um, so I, that's one thing I do miss is playing with kind of new people um, at a golf club um, in a competition where, as opposed to work, which uh, if I'm honest, going to if I go get invited to a golf day or things, it's all right, but it feels like work. So sometimes it's a bit like a busman's holiday playing golf uh, for me. And I, I, and I know that sounds really spoiled and it sounds a bit, um, yeah, it does sound spoiled. But when I get to go out and play with my friends, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm in my, you know, kind of happy Gilmore, happy place. Absolutely. Well, we'll get stuck into a bit about you then, Ryan. Before you started the club, uh, at the club on Twitter, um, back in 2014, where did your earliest memory, what is your earliest memory of golf, Ryan? Earliest memory of golf? Um, so, wow. Um, I remember when I was a kid, so without going into too much detail, my, my, my dad passed away when I was really small, so three. So I wasn't really pushed into sport by my mum or anything. But I remember going around my grandparents' house and they had like a couple of golf balls just lying in like, you know, your grandparents have drawers with just random stuff in. Now, I remember there was a golf ball in one of the drawers. So I'd be like seven or six and just playing around. Like, it's a Sunday, you're a kid, you you just got nothing to do. So I'd just go out in the garden with this golf ball. And I remember turning a, like going in the shed, getting out a rake or something flipping it upside down and i'd make little holes with biscuit tins uh with uh cake cutting uh my nan's cake cutting things so i'd make little holes in the garden i'd just be putting with that and i then i'd kind of you know when you're six or seven you're, you you just turn your imagination i was a bit of a sports geek as well and i'd like say right this is for the open championship then i'd have a 72 hole tournament then i'd have 
I'd have created this whole thing on a Sunday by myself, just with this rake and this golf ball. I've made 18 holes in the garden. Um, and I, I, that's my earliest memory of it. And just kind of that, and that came from watching the open championship because on BBC, because that would have been the only thing that would have been on. Um, I loved all other sports, but that would have been what I'd have seen. And it would have been like Nick Faldo and people like that. Um, and I would have seen that gone out in the garden and played. And then I moved down to Cornwall, um, in the southwest of England and my dad's old clubs were just in the shed and there was a little par three course down the road so me and a few of the other lads just I think it was 30 pounds to play for the whole year so we just went down and played and didn't have lessons or anything we just played and played in the summer holidays just playing all the time um and kind of got the bug from it from there and that was kind of Tiger Woods era so I I was like kind of 13, 12, and Tiger Woods was just coming in and we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Mm. So from there, it just developed from there and it was all you did. You just, in the summer holidays, you just played 36 holes and you moved up. When we got good enough, we moved on to a, a, a what you'd call a proper golf course and we played at Nuki Golf Course, which is kind of a Lynx golf course on the coast. Um, yeah, it. yeah um, which, which weirdly, that... Uh, we didn't I didn't when I've been back there since as an adult you didn't appreciate what it was when you're a kid like it's this amazing Lynx golf course right by the beach when you're a kid you just think this is normal um it, we we just went down there and that we just I just thought that this is what golf courses are like kind of thing um but it was a fantastic place and we, yeah you just spend all day at the golf club um so that was that was it for me I didn't really think of golfers um this i'm sorry there's a very long answer but i didn't really think of golf as a 13 year old or as a youngster as i do now i kind of i almost i think i've seen more about it and how it can be stuffy and all these different things as an adult whereas when i was a kid especially at the golf club i was at which was very kind of relaxed place as you can imagine in cornwall mm-hmm. and it wasn't stuffy you just got on with it and you just played for the love of the game kind of thing um and that was what it, that's what golf was for me as a as a as a kid and my early memories. No, that's brilliant, and I suppose the way you described that it reminded me of my own like how I got into golf was very much myself, um as a as a nine and ten year old, but yeah, um, that that's another podcast episode good to go into, <laughs> um, but like like myself, you know, you went through life, you, you graduated, you got a big job in the city, but your city was London, my city was um was the big smoke was Dublin, um. <laughs> But then, like you quit that job, took a journalism course. So walk us through that period of your life, and then I suppose the starting of at the club, or, or did that cross over with your time in the big city? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say I got a big job in the city. I would just say I went to uni. Um, like, like I just, I, I, I messed around in school a little bit, and I never really got great grades, so I didn't fulfil my potential, as I'm sure lots of young men don't. Um, but I ended up going to university and I just treated it as, you know, a laugh, really. I played football, got drunk. That was all I did at uni, basically. Then moved to London just because I was like, what else am I going to do? Um, my couple of friends, I had a couple of friends up there. I was like, I'll play football up there, get a job. That's where the, that's where the money is. Got a couple of jobs, just moved on job to job to job just to try and earn more money. And I ended up kind of maybe like 28 can't remember exactly uh, and I was just sat there in this office just staring at my computer screen I was like I was like what am I doing what am I doing I can't do this forever because I just had this kind of 
epiphany. Like, I was earning right money, but I was just like, I can't do this. I'm selling computers into, into to like, banks and stuff. It's just not... Uh, to me, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So I was like, I love sport, I love writing, and I wanted to write about sports, so I quit my job. Um quit my job and went and enrolled on uh, an NCTJ, so a journalism qualification. Um, and my missus was kind of like, what are you doing? You're earning this. Now you're like paying to do a course for nine months with a load of 19, 20 year olds. I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. Um, and during that, we kind of got involved with this Twitter account and it kind of, it just had this niche of, in the UK of kind of, these golfers that didn't really see any media, I don't think, for themselves, as in the golf media was very traditional. And it was just a lot of it at the start was just taking the piss out of what you see in golf club. Um, and it kind of it kind of blew up. And it was when Twitter was kind of kind of new and it kind of blew up. And then we, we kind of created an audience from that. Um, and it wasn't really a business at, at first, but we turned it into one just by the fact that we had this audience of kind of 29, 30 year old, well, maybe 20 to 40 year old golfers that nobody else really had. So we kind of turned it into sort of a business and it's been, well, yeah, it's been going for, like you say, like six or seven years. I always forget to be honest, <laughs> I just merged into one long thing, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it started like that. You're being quite modest. It's evolved into one of the most engaged golf influencer profiles in the world, and that's that's in terms of it's been engaged with, you know, um, all social media pro- profiles, um, and runs a very successful golf podcast in the UK. So um, we've got one thing in common, anyway, in terms of I'm running. Well, I run a slightly uh, unprofessional one, but um, there we go. <laughs> I don't know how professional golf <laughs> is, to be honest. Um, but- yeah, I don't, I don't really, and, and I, even over the years, I've kind of evolved in, in my thinking of what I want from what I'm doing. I do, I'm, I must admit, I do everything to do with a business and stuff. I'm not really money motivated, particularly. I'm not, uh, you can see that why I would go to do journalism from leaving uh, banks. So I'm not really that money motivated. I'm, I'm more interested in just putting out my actual opinion and trying to change dispel myths in golf and things like that that's what kind of drives me and and I love golf I do love golf but I just I get frustrated with so many different parts of it that that's almost more of a motivation to me than you know growing our audience or signing deals with certain brands or whatever Mm. If, if I prefer just to be yeah, it's just it's not even a second or third thought to be to be honest. And my business partner gets annoyed with me that I'm like that, but it wouldn't work if I wasn't. I don't think. No, a hundred a hundred percent. And I say that a lot in, in replying to people's guests. Uh, I know it as I go to the post edit. A hundred percent, I say that because I tend to agree with my guests. Because generally, the people I get on are people, um, you know, I, I kind of look up to. You know, and uh, would include yourselves. One tagline or one part of the website I, I, that was of interest to me was when you're in terms of how you create content, it's for the modern golfer. Yeah. So, and there's a question at the end of this, don't worry, that you're not interested in stuffy golf club rules or stale or traditional golf content, the blazer brigade, I call that. Yeah. Um, but 
do you still see um, the requirement or like how etiquette has a part to play in golf or does that come into the equation? Yeah, I, I totally, totally do. And I, I, I'd go back to when I was 13 or 14 and joining the golf club at, um, at Newquay. And I wouldn't say I was a tear away, um, but I was a 14 year old kid and like with no, with quite a lot of freedom. And I just did what I kind of did what I wanted. And a golf club, I think is a fantastic place, especially for youngsters to learn to respect or learn social skills of chatting to uh, older people and to learn certain things that you have to do, like repairing pitch marks, all the things that is just polite in. And I think society as a whole, if people kind of learn those things and it, and it really is for me, there's a difference between etiquette and rules. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The big thing with me for etiquette, and I don't even like the word etiquette because it derives from, kind of a class system from um years and years ago i kind of respect is what i would call it is just respecting one another um and i the big things for me are things like repairing pitch marks are things like replacing your divots it's like it's things that um you're you're, you're all looking out for one another basically um and those are the things to do and you're being polite and you're being quiet while someone's putting all those things I kind of simple manners and I do think yes the word is etiquette and it is used in golf um I do think there's a massive place for that but really what it comes down to to me is just respecting one another it's no different to being in a cinema and not talking um uh, or all these other things I think that that separates from me that set that is separate for me to when you join a golf club and you get handed a big list of things you can't do and you've just paid them two grand, that um, doesn't make sense to me because that the respect isn't two ways there, I don't think, between a golf club and a golfer in some of these places. If golf clubs, in my eyes, should respect the golfer to be able to dress themselves or to be able to act in a certain way, I don't think they need to be told all those things. And that's where I have that's where I have an issue with that's where I have a big issue with lots of golf clubs and how they act. And, and yes, they can do these things. And yes, there's certain golf clubs that will always do these things, and they can because they've got a membership or of whatever. But I do definitely separate um, certain rules in golf to the etiquette of golf, which I really do just think is just respecting one another and respecting the golf course. No, definitely, because like we can all sit back on our couches and, and throw out tweets about, you know, the governing body or these poxy golf clubs, but not actually do anything or step out and, and execute on what we think should be done. And I think that's where you and, and your partners at the club really have gone above and beyond, really, especially, I suppose, over the last year in, in two aspects. One is like mental health in general. And two is true lockdown. The you know what you're doing for for PGA pros and giving them a platform to help them out through this lockdown has been something that you know even governing bodies has haven't done or the PGA hasn't done for for their members. You know, so can you walk me through like those two initiatives mainly? We'll start with the the lockdown piece, which is what you do, what you're trying to do for for PGA yeah, pros around the country. The lockdown thing is just a completely new thing, and we haven't even launched it yet properly, but um. Yeah, to add, to go back to what you were saying briefly to start it is that I, my one of my biggest frustrations with golfing governing bodies 
and is with, is with businesses or people anywhere is when they say they're going to do something and don't do it or there's obvious things easy wins and they just don't do them and it's just like and there's certain institutional things in the way or red tape all these things where I'm just like I can't understand people that just don't just do things um and the the thing with the pros is yeah it's a business it's a business idea really but like I'm kind of thinking right from speaking to pros and and just understanding what they have with their kind of the stock in their golf shop and how they're treated by the brands and all the different things and I just thought there's maybe there's an there's a an opportunity here to help sell that you may call it excess stock or you may call it the end of the stock but just give them an audience and yes charge them a commission commission yes it is a business but hopefully it works for everyone and part of that is that part of the kind of idea behind it is that a part of the commission so if you buy um a product from a guy in my old golf club in newquay the a, a part of that percentage of what you buy goes to your own golf club pro um to run you know junior lessons or whatever like that so i kind of the idea is that you're giving back locally and you're kind of supporting small businesses both at your place and uh small business somewhere else in the uk or ireland or wherever it may be so that's the idea and i have no idea if it'll even work um but we're just getting it pros together getting them to um start putting stock on on the website we've built and then we'll kind of launch it from there but yeah it, it's a very difficult time for for golf pros at the moment with basically no one coming to their golf shop um and i don't know exactly what it's like in ireland but over it's here the same. It's the same. yeah yeah i don't mean by it being closed but i mean by the support that small businesses get um and as someone who runs a small business um it's definitely been very difficult with uh, and I'm fortunate enough that I can carry on doing things. Um, whereas plenty of small businesses in the UK, um, the support's not quite there. Or if you you have to be a certain type of company or you, there's certain things to the way to where you can get support. So that was kind of in the, in my thinking, but also it's a, kind of a, a business opportunity, I guess. But as with everything, it has to, support golf in some way it has to make golf for the betterment of golf for it to be like that's a a red line for me to to do something to do to do with golf that's a great mentor to have and and fair play to you and, and the club for doing it because you know um we are alike in a lot of ways in terms of the uk and ireland no matter what our history says and we can talk about yeah. that in like a history podcast or something but like in terms of you're not afraid to put your head above the parapet or you know, stand up tall in, in the high grass. It's, it's, I think, to some degrees, like you said, you ain't going to get the reward if you don't make the risk. And I think that's somewhere where governing bodies or the people involved in clubs just want to stay low on the high grass. And if we don't make a decision, then nothing can go wrong to some extent. And I'm not talking about yeah. everyone. We know who we're talking about when we're talking about it. Um, I, I think, I, I think, and, and it kind of leads on to the, I know you did ask, about the two different things and with the mental health thing and to, to, to talk, talking about the governing bodies is for England golf and one of, I'll name him Jamie from England golf who runs the disability and uh, he's a disability officer at um, England golf but I think that covers other things as well like with all lots of things their job title 
probably doesn't cover everything. Yeah, they wear many hats. So you probably have a disability and inclusion and equality yeah. and gender balance and all, all that, that type of, side yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, other things and Jamie's a lovely guy fantastic guy and he helped us start out the the club talks where basically for anyone who doesn't know um we I, I put a tweet out I think maybe 18 months ago um just saying how golf's good for my mental health I I, I kind of just was sat there and I just thought about it and I, I think I've just played golf and I just thought kind of thought golf's kind of good for my mental health and I'm not really someone who's particularly suffered from mental health I just I, I could just see the relationship then um, we got this huge response. I got loads of direct messages, all people that have that were either suffering from mental health or people that said golf saved their life and all these different things. I was like, wow, it was quite overwhelming. In fact, it was too overwhelming and I shouldn't have. I was trying to re- reply to all these different people and it wasn't good for me or for them. Probably you're not. I subsequently learned I shouldn't be taking on that much. Mm. Um, I shouldn't be messaging all these people back. But um, moving forward, we, I kind of said, there's something here. And I'd not thought, I'd thought about it just on, on a whim, but I, I was like, there's something here. And that golf is this uniquely incredible sport for your mental health. So I, got, I was like, we've got to do something. Like, like we said before, we've got to do something about it. There's no point just saying it. Uh, you've got to try and do something about it. Um, so I spoke to England Golf. I spoke to the people that I know, England Golf, the PGA, all these different uh, kind of, groups um and not particularly expecting much because they'd not done anything on other ideas i'd had um but jamie got back and he said this is a good idea let's meet so we met up he was fantastic um he puts in touch with calm who are a big suicide male suicide prevention mm-hmm. um charity who we ended up partnering with who are a fantastic organization um and then within a couple of months of that and it kind of took off we had a launch and it god knows what engagement it got on social media but it would have been seen by thousands and thousands of people and then england golf kind of their logo was on stuff we put out and then they kind of i think i got a message off jamie or someone else and it was like we can't use we can't be aligned for this and it would have been because of some commercial arrangement they had with something else and it, it just had these kind of and the pga were the same and it just seemed like, why would you not align golf with something that's doing positive for golf? And it, this isn't just the club talks. There's other organizations I know of that are doing very positive things and they're not aligned or they're not getting funding for doing stuff that's, you know, massively engaging for golf. So it is a frustration and I'm happy to call them out on it. And I'm happy to sit. I've always said, I'm happy to sit down for an hour and chat with the CEO about this. Um, but it's unlikely to happen to be honest, but, um, yeah, so the club talks will go on without them, but it is frustrating that it seems like easy wins when people are, you know, people like, not just me, because there's definitely loads of people in golf that are doing at grassroots or that are doing amazing things. Um, but it seems like golf could pick up these easy wins and align themselves with the people that are doing very positive things in golf and put money where their mouth is and support these things. Because at the end of the day, England golf, I'm sure it's the same in Ireland, they're funded by the golfers. Um, they're funded by taxpayers' money and they're funded by golfers paying subscriptions. Um, 
and these are the golfers that are engaging with us. These are the same people that are engaging with us. And these are the same people that are telling us that mental health is so important to them. So um, it is a massive thing. And I could yeah, rant all day about the governing bodies and how they, I do think they should be a little bit more open to doing things that aren't just the standard things that they've done for 50 years, you know? Absolutely. Um, I could walk down as well in not, not in a, like put it to the man or shame them, but more so it's for the good of the game, you know, and it's all in a very constructive, it can be done better. You know, every golf club um, or multiple ones around a town should be one big community um, helping either themselves across their golf club or arranging with other golf clubs in their locality in terms of, you know, the rising tide raises all boats type of thing, you know? Um, yeah. I, and I, I think it's, sorry, yeah. I, do, I, I do think it's just, um, I totally agree with that. And the golf clubs coming together and communities coming together. And the thing that the club talks that we want to do is we want to raise money for CALM, which is suicide prevention. That's, that's a side part of the business, but also, train people in mental health have a mental health first aid trained person in golf clubs all around the country and and get awareness up in golf clubs all around the country and get awareness up outside of golfers of how fantastic golf is for people's mental health and to me that seems like something so easy to get behind it's like to me as a governing body i'm like the work's already been done for me i can just almost latch onto this now and you know, not say it's ours, but um, I can latch onto it. To me, it seems like such an easy win, and it frustrates me that. Um, and it's ninety nine point nine percent taken positively, and we have people coming to us from golf clubs all across the country, whether they be pros, whether they be secretaries, whether they be club captains, all these different people, and it just seems like such an easy win for governing bodies to just latch onto these things. Um, and it's frustrating that they don't. And um, hopefully they listen to this and hear the frustration in my voice and get in touch um, and do that, whether that be England, Scotland, Wales or Ireland. No, we're the, we're, I think it's the same outlook on that. And the reason that I'm, I'm kind of here in the first place is because I know kind of of your view towards how golf can be so much better, you know, and the, um, and the attitude and, and I suppose emotion you have towards it. You know, it's, 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 it's a vision, it's a value. Because Ireland have three bodies currently who manage things, the GUI Golfing Union of Ireland, the CGI, the Confederation of Golf in Ireland, and the Ladies Golf Union. So what do they do? Ladies Golf Union, I think, has been run exponentially well. Why? Because we all know what they do in terms of it's all for me it all comes down to communication, transparency yeah. and communication. Um the CGI is Confederation of Golf Ireland, and they're the people to date who have done the get into golf for juniors, for for get more ladies into golf, for the inclusion, for for golf and disabilities, for kids with autism or with Down syndrome or whatever, and run programs around yeah. the country. And a very good example. The people in there, I got to know a couple of them, either from being up in this part of the country, from playing golf in open days, or through my this this podcast. And I think the get into golf for ladies. It was put out, um, and only a couple of clubs wanted it at the start. But through their, um, because they're so determined in that are in the CGI, it became after nine months the most successful project they ever did because they put their hand up, and saw the easy win and pushed through with it. 
and now um they nearly don't have the bandwidth to keep up with all the club's requests and that kind of support. Yeah. Our our issue is, and like you said there, and hopefully when they all come together as Golf Ireland in January, and I suppose they're they're in the the social media feeds mainly, not in the media, but um of especially when it came to lockdown and golfers golf being closed, in terms of what is the GUI doing for us the golfer, and and the fact that there was no real communication around certain things. Um, especially access to golf courses post-lockdown. It took a few days, and, and it wasn't just for me golfing. It was, you know, the PGA pros and pro shops and golf clubs didn't know whether they were open or closed, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, got six hours notice kind of thing. Um, so for me, it's around the infrastructure is there, the clubs are there, the lines of communication are there in terms of, you know, where all the fees are coming from, all the committees and subcommittees are there across every club. And the, the network is there, you know? and it takes years and like the, the the club have taken years to to develop your community which is so engaged but golf and golf and government bodies have that at their fingertips which i think is a lost value um in, in, in many degrees you know um, i think the um you're completely you're completely right and i would say by far and i know for a fact this is the same in ireland and the uk and globally i would say um, and it can be, and it can be kind of, I don't know the full story behind it, but the biggest issue golf has, in my opinion, is its image. It's got this image outside of the game as a stuffy game for rich old white men. Um, whether that's justified or not, um, it is. That, and I think golf is a little bit too insular, especially and likely at the governing body level, a little bit too insular of in, in inside itself and doesn't really look outside to what the opinions are of people outside of the game. And if you want to grow golf, unfortunately, or fortunately, you have to reach outside of the game of golf and you have to change the opinions of people outside the game of golf. And when it comes to decisions like whether golf should be open, the people outside of the game of golf are going to be making those decisions or, or the image and they're going to, and those decisions are going to be influenced by what people's image of golf is. And I know in Ireland you had a political scandal, right? To do with golf. I love the way you say that because it was whatever politicians or government, government golf society went to the West of Ireland to a hotel and they played a golf day, uh, which was fine in most of the regulations, but the issue was, and I suppose Golfgate was trending, but it should have been Dinnergate because they all went to dinner after. And yeah, that was the issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, but 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 that stereotype, I imagine, and I, uh, without knowing, without following um, Ireland as closely as as you would, um, I'd imagine all those stereotypes were were included in that Golfgate thing. It's absolutely um, yeah. And and it's I, I I really do think it's the same over here. Um, where the, the golf had, I, although I don't think you you talked about England golf and they probably did more than they did over in Ireland, um, uh, attempting to uh, just get tell golf. their members what's happening. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they told their members what's happening and attempted to uh, and attempted to change something. Whether that was uh, banging their head against the wall, we 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 wouldn't know, but. They were always going to be fighting against, especially over here, where um, the, the 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 government had allowed grouse shooting, for example, and 
been called out for it. That had been a big kind of, you know, that you're just going to allow posh sports uh, for yourself. And they've been called out on that. So the golf almost for the rest of the country is in with grouse shooting, even though you go, you go around the country here and, I, and I'm sure it's the same in Ireland. That's not really the demographic of people who play golf. It certainly isn't the places I've uh, experienced. I, there are places that are very posh and you have a different clientele. But, you know, golf, from my experience, has lots of people from all different backgrounds. Uh, uh, you can go to the golf car park and you've got the painter and decorator. You've got a taxi driver. You've got all sorts of different people. And golf does a very bad, and, and this should be the, to me, should be the biggest thing the golf governing bodies are trying to change is this image that golf is a, is a posh sport or is only for certain people because it is not true and it's hamstringing golf when it comes to decisions like this absolutely the government is going well we can't be seen to let a posh sport be allowed therefore if it wasn't if if the governing body had spent 10 15 years because it will take time to change the public opinion of the sport then it might be that when you come to these decisions, they don't, they're not doing it because the government's always going to make decisions based on what, what benefits them. They don't care. I'm maybe very cynical, but I don't think the governments all over the world care about the people. They just care about themselves. So you've got to just try and make it an easy decision for them. And that, and it was an easy decision for them in this country to, to say no to golf because they, it makes them look, it would make potentially make them look bad. Uh, no, definitely. Um, something something the the club is known for is how relevant you are to the modern golfer. And we're talking people between sixteen and you know fifty six. You don't keep the sixties mm-hmm. and the ages really, or up to fifty, I would say. Um, your demographic average age is twenty nine, for example. You know, so almost yeah. a generation younger than I am this stage, uh, being nearly thirty four. Um, so if you are in a position of decision making power in England golf or are, are in a golfing body right mm-hmm. and we want to change the image you've you've one project for the year to try and accomplish what would you do i would show what's already happening i would show i i, do, I think governing bodies think that they need to or golf uh, and i've been to I, I remember sitting at the england golf awards i got invited down there um and i remember sitting there and the ceo is the old ceo to be fair stood up and talked and showed videos of two god knows what they cost but they were well produced videos and the two videos of getting girls into golf and they were all nice and clean cut and everything it was you know it was what you would expect um and then afterwards after that he said unfortunately well, he didn't say unfortunately he said great videos we've got engagement on them and all this but we haven't got any more women into golf or any more girls into golf basically essentially the stats had showed that they'd not done whatever they'd done hadn't worked um and people started clapping in there and i was like you should be getting fired you know or you should be moving on or you should be doing something different it's the whole the old einstein quote if you keep doing the same thing and over and over it's definition of an insanity and it does seem like golf does that whereas I don't think you need to look at, they don't need to come up with creative ideas. You just need to shine a light on what's already there. You need to shine a light on the 
the painter and decorator playing around at golf with the taxi driver and having a beer afterwards and you need to shine a light on all these you need to shine a light on the Asian community that play golf in West London near me or you need to shine a light on all these different things that show that golf is played by more people than people think it is and make sure that this is put out on everywhere social media everyone and you want you want to base your whole thing on this I think just shine a light on what golf actually is because the problem is is that the the image of golf is different to what golf is actually like as as you and I would know it's not it's not people wearing diamond jumpers and uh and <laughs> Pringle you know, have a lot to say <laughs> Pringle have a lot yeah. to do <laughs> if you speak to I speak to my wife and her image, she knows because she, she's been with me, she's kind of known. But if you speak to her friends, they, they generally think that is what golf is. Um, and that puts them off going to a golf club and even picking up a club for the first time. So to me, you just show what golf actually is. Um, not what you think you want to show, just show what it actually is. And you can, yes, you can do that creatively. And yes, you can engage different people with different audiences or reach or what whatever but you just got to show what golf is I don't think you don't need to do anything crazy or anything too controversial or anything just to me just show what golf is exactly you don't need to spend a lot of a high five figure or low six figure sum on some PR agency to come in and do it for you either um because that's what I'd be afraid it would happen um, you know, and just be more some cost, and like you said, create two great videos of something no one care really cares about. Um, no, I think you're totally right, especially with PR, PR agencies. Just you need to get real, you need to get actual golfers to create to be involved in creating the things. Oh, we've we've worked with brands before, and you've gone to the agency that they employ, some big agency, Ogilvy, some giant ad agency, and there's not the, the person running the campaign doesn't even know anything about golf and it's like you, you almost feel sorry for them because it's not their fault they've been handed this campaign or this account or what have you and they're learning as they go along it's like there's so many intricacies and things to golf as there would be for football or cricket or gaelic or anything um it seems crazy but this person in a position of almost power in golf and they don't know anything about golf so you need to get, you know, people that seem seems silly because this isn't a really an idea. But play, if you're gonna create content around a taxi driver and a painter and decorator and the people that turn up to play golf, get the person that plays golf with them or people that are, can relate to them or you know, ask them the relevant questions. To me, that's it seems obvious to me. Mm. But uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, I look forward to seeing what happens on both sides of the IRC in terms of are they going to realise that, you know, accounts and people with influence or accounts with influence like yourselves or Barstool Sports or Eric Anders Lang and Random Golf Club and people like this who are pivoting to look at the people who play golf and have so much influence down the game, you know, that if the, like if the people running golf in the country, like you said, could shine a light on just the people playing it, they would be looked at in such a more positive way um, yeah i don't even think you need to like in, you don't need to even engage me like uh, i you don't even have to pay me if you make content that 
Yeah, yeah, that's and what I mean. That's what I mean. If they, if they took their social management, social manager, social media manager, and said, "Look, start a YouTube channel for Golf Ireland, and give us a video a week on who plays golf in Kildare, who plays golf in Dublin, who plays golf in Mayo," you know, yeah, and and do that, um, I think it would be unbeknownst the, the level of engagement and um, opportunities that would then stem from that. Anything, yeah, anything different to what they normally do, I would go, this is good. I Golf Australia, the guy sent me a direct message. He went, check this out. And it was about, it was this, they just filmed a guy silently with like calm music. And it was kind of a meditational video in this amazing setting with a drone. And it was, a, it was like a two hour video of just this guy going around this beautiful golf course with, the, you could hear the birds tweeting. And, and it was like, um, it was to do with mental health and wellness. So I was like, this is so different and so cool. And the Australian, you know, you'd have to, in days gone by, you'd, pay, you'd have to pay newspapers to cover your story, like PR, whereas he could just DM me. And I was like, yeah, of course I'll share it. It's a really cool video. Yeah. Um, uh, and it costs him nothing. So it, it kind of proves that you can do it. And for me, there's a hundred others that, that have audiences and golf that would be interested in this kind of thing. So to me, come up with things that are shareable or, or people want to see and that you will reach large audiences. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. All those taglines I use in agreement on, on previous episodes. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I could talk to you for hours, but uh, neither you or I have, have that amount of time. And I'm thankful for the, the amount of time you've given me so far. So we'll get stuck into a quickfire Q&A. So whatever comes to your brain, that's the answer. All right? Yeah. All right, Ryan Curtis, or or this would be on behalf of the club. So, what would the club's walk-on song be? Right. So you did prepare me before we came on to this. And yeah, it's it's an it's a professionally unprofessional podcast to, to be. Yeah, honest. yeah. <laughs> you did prepare me, and I literally still have no idea. But what I'm going to say is, I remember driving up to golf clubs when I was we were. 16, 17, my friend had just got a Peugeot 306 and we'd turn up to golf clubs thinking we were cool um, in a per- with four sets of golf clubs in the back, clubs all over us. We'd roll into a golf club listening to Tupac with the music coming out quite loud um, with like gangster rap music, thinking that was cool. And we were just like four little white kids in a Peugeot 306. So I don't know which song, uh, but I'll put Tupac California Love maybe. Because it's just, it makes me think of, it makes me cringe to think about it, but also it makes me, it reminds me of playing junior golf, which was amazing. That's brilliant. Jim or pizza? Um, if you ever saw me, pizza, not even close. Hat, visor or bucket hat? So I never wear any hats. Um, I would say... I'd say bucket hat just for something different. Absolutely. Happy Gilmore or Tim Cup? Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I like both, but Happy Gilmore. Lehinch or Portmarnock? I've never played either, so I can't really answer that one yet. And I'm go- I'm gonna make it a. I'm okay, gonna make we it. We make a point. We can do a, a the club evaluation trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, walk or cart? Oh, walk 100%. It's like my favourite part. I talked about social, but walking the golf course is just so cool. Win the Masters or win the Open? Oh, the Open. Instagram, the open. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Instagram's too... No, I don't. I, you, yeah, Twitter. 
play or practice? Oh, play, 100%. I literally haven't practiced since I was 16, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, the day we play, then I, I won't practice that week. Just yeah, yeah. On, on, on <laughs> Brian, so this is the bonus question, the secret question, and I didn't prepare you for it. So, if you or the club were sitting down to dinner, and you're allowed to have six people at, okay, could be you, maybe we'll take you personally then, instead of talking yeah. about the club. You have to invite six people to your dinner party, you're at the head of the table. Anyone you want, dead alive, celebrity, wife, mother, extended family, who is at the dinner party? And this is golf related? Anything related. Movies. Yeah. Anyone in the world, dead, alive, so that would be for whoever you like. <laughs> I would have, I'd have my wife as number one. Good call. Uh, yeah, um, otherwise I'd get in trouble. I'm thinking about this logically. I think I would have Tiger Woods. And, uh, what, these can be dead or alive, could they? Yes. Actually, I'm going to change it and I'm just going to have a mad one. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have Diego Maradona, George Best, Tiger Woods, um, Liam Gallagher. How many is that? You've one to go. One to go. Not my wife now because it, she would not want to be there. Uh, oh, two to go. So I'll come with the first. Ah, oh, Sevi. And let me get an Irish person in there for. Well, we've got Beth, but we can get someone else. Uh, I'll get Larry in there. Ryan Curtis, an absolute pleasure, and um, I make a point of it that once we're able to travel, that we'll get that game of golf in. Yeah, I'm 100%, yeah, as soon as I can travel, I want to be in Ireland. I'm, I've still got tickets that Ryanair eventually have sorted out, changed the flight, so I'm sure. So uh, whenever that, well, I'm in Dublin for that, but I don't know, I have no idea what's going to happen in that couple of days, but I'm, I'll, I want to come over to Ireland and play um, the golf courses. We'll make it happen. We'll tee it up. Yeah. Ryan Curtis, thank you very much. Cheers, thanks. That was Ryan Curtis of the club and a man who I think we have a lot in common with. So I look forward to hopefully hosting Ryan on this side of the Isle of Man in 2021. Pandemic, vaccine allowing and all that jazz. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did pressing record on it i do really enjoy bringing these episodes to you each and every week well when work doesn't get in the way and delays us maybe a few days or so and um, but that's where i'll count on you guys to still be there when an episode does go live um, i'll let you know about it <laughs> especially if you're on the timesheet at www.pedigoff.com that website by the way is gone over massive overhaul over christmas so stay tuned as there might be some pre-order uh, opportunities for certain products. I'm thinking uh, pickup bags. So what's that? That's like teas and markers and pencils and stuff. But the bucket hats, folks, the hat visor and bucket hat options will be unbelievable. Um, well, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting some products with my logo on it. Um, some quality quality gear you know who doesn't like a bit of gear so I just want to say thank you all for listening stay tuned to that website I'll let you all know when the changes are ready on respective uh, social media channels so at paddy underscore golf on Instagram and Twitter uh, but yeah thanks for pressing play every week until we tee it up again soon I'm Paddy <laughs>